Hello, everyone, and welcome into Yelling from the Couch. I'm Brent Humphreys, joined by my co-host, Gene's Got Picks. Gene's, how you doing? Hey, um, I'm doing pretty good, ready for uh, the Saturday slate. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks since the last time we talked, uh, ready to get into it and uh, talk about a few things here and then look forward to this week. Yeah, it's a lot of big-time games this uh for both the NFL and college football coming up. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So we'll start off again like we do every time. Uh, best thing we saw last week and the worst thing we saw. And uh, I'll let you go ahead and start first, Gene. I'll start with my best to go ahead and just get it out the way. Uh, the best thing I saw was my Cowboys bouncing back after uh, being embarrassed um, by the 49ers. Um, you know, so I, it's, a little, it's still a little bit of faith. And my boys for the rest of the season and heading to the playoffs, hopefully. But, uh, you know, after seeing that 49ers game, I, I must be honest, I don't think we didn't, we didn't get a chance to um, to talk after, after that week. Uh, man, <laughs> that was dark times after that 49ers game. So to see the boys bounce back um, that Monday night football game, uh, it was great to see. Yeah, that that 49ers game, after that game was over with, I was like, San Francisco is the best team. They're not going to be beat. Nobody's going to be able to beat this San Francisco team. They're that good. And then they go out the next week, and they fall to the Cleveland Browns. And it's like, man, it's any given Sunday for sure this year. You just never know at all. And then not only lose to the Browns, but you lose to them with, with their backup quarterback in, and no Nick Chubb. So it's like – how in the world did that happen? And it's their backup quarterback that hadn't played with them all year. It was like they had DTR that was on the bench that was backing up P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker wasn't even with the team in preseason. And they, they get him in there and, you know, they somehow beat the Niners. It was, it was crazy to see, especially after the Niners have been dominating all year long any given Sunday. It's crazy. So I will go ahead and I will uh, I will do my best. Uh, I had a kind of a best, but it's not. You know, it involves. I didn't want the team to win that I had my bet on. This is my betting. That was my best that I saw of the week. It was it was actually the Astros last night uh-huh. winning that game, and I, I was I was rooting for the Rangers. I had a little parlay that. I needed Garcia to hit a home run. I had uh, I needed Alvarez to get a hit, and I needed Seager to get a hit, and I needed Altuve to get a hit and over seven and a half runs. So coming into the top of the ninth, it's four to two Texas, and Altuve hits that three run bomb to put them up five to four, and then that ended up winning me a pretty good significant amount of money there. And then I was like, oh, man, I still want the Rangers to win this though. And they ended up falling there. Uh, so that was my best, but, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's best, you know, financially. But personally, I was really rooting for the Rangers there. Very, very uh, shady tactics by Dusty Baker and the boys uh, in the, I believe it was the eighth inning, uh, throwing at Adolis Garcia. You know that was on purpose because of the home run hit earlier in the game uh 
just Astros being the Astros right there, you know, shady stuff right there. You know they threw at him because he done the trot around the bases like that. That is that is horrible, but uh, you know, like I said, that's a personal thing, but the financial thing, that's probably the best of the weekend. I'm sorry that that's my best thing of the week. <laughs> I mean, I can't be mad because that sounds like a hell of a bet. Um because for sure we all know Tuve definitely got a hit. I mean, we know that for sure. And, um, you know, of course, I think he I think he had a double late into the game. So, yeah, you know, everything was for that bet sounds great. But um, my hate for the Astros right now is second to none. I mean, I, like, it doesn't, it, I can't even fathom how much hatred I have in my heart for the Astros right now. Ah, that that game last night uh, was a, almost a tear jerk because uh, it, it's almost like you, it's almost like you know you have everything going great for you and then in in a snap you know everything is gone everything's taken away from you so hopefully uh, my boys can uh, bounce back in Houston. Yeah, the away team has won every game so far in the series, so hopefully, you know, Texas can can get these next two games and win. How, what did you think about them hitting Garcia? You that that had to be on purpose, right? Because he turned right to Malinado and got right in his face, and he he would have destroyed him if, if it came down to it. Because Garcia is not a small dude. That dude is a linebacker playing baseball. Yeah, I, I think it was definitely uh, intentional um, because the the home run trot he had was was like you know it was it was electric, but he did you know take his sweet time and the old baseball rules you know they want you to run the bases like you're trying to get a triple or something during a home run trot. I, I enjoy either side if the Astros hit a home run and the guy do it you know a long home run celebration you know that's kind of what you know, that's what everybody's here for, to see um, guys hit the ball out of the field. But um, it was very uh, unnecessary for the to hit them late and then, you know, put two guys on base, which, I mean, we didn't do anything with it, but it just didn't make sense on why to hit, hit them late into the game. And then, uh, you know, it, it kind of seemed like it woke both teams up, but at the same time, we was, uh, you know, our, our bullpen situation always kind of been hunting us uh, during the postseason. So, you know, Maldonado, I think they, I was listening to the um, to the commentary, and they, they were saying how he was basically positioning himself for the ball to be outside, and it hit um, Adolis, you know, on his shoulder. So it, it definitely – uh, seemed to be like it was an intentional shot at him. Yeah, and the way Dusty was act, acting afterwards, like, he, you know, uh, it was not intentional, didn't mean to, throwing his hat, punching the fence, all that, and, <laughs> you know, getting tossed and everything. And it's like, yeah, that is definitely planned out. Uh, like you said, when they hit a home run, they do their little trot and backflip and all that. There's no problem with that at all. I mean, you hit a home run, that's a big moment in the game, one of the biggest home runs you've probably ever hit. 
let them celebrate a little bit. You don't want them to do it. Don't throw them a pitch like that next time. You know, if they get a hold of it, that's on you. But, uh, yeah, just kind of a little bit of BS there. But uh, we'll move on now to our worst thing that we saw last week. I'll let you go ahead, Gene. Yeah, the worst thing I saw last week was uh, the Sunday night football game um, against the the Bills against the uh, Giants. Now, I'm not um, one to support the Giants because, you know, obviously they're rivals to the Cowboys. But Brian Dayball, I don't understand how a guy goes from coach of the year to probably – because if he didn't win coach of the year, he would probably – probably be fired this year because it was so many mental mistakes being made heading into halftime you, you call a play to where your quarterback can audible and, and switch into a run and you, you basically leave points on the field uh, mistakes like that you know not many coaches see a job the next year and then the bills uh they they look boom or bust if josh allen isn't um you know making a you know highlight reel play you know or throwing it to digs down the field they really have nothing going for themselves um i think they i think the giants you know somewhat exposed them as far as what they lack on offense um no not not having much of a running game going for them and Josh Allen didn't really throw for many yards. I think he only had. I think he had less than 200 yards in that game, and that's not uh, something we're used to seeing with Josh Allen. We're used to seeing him, you know, throw it to Diggs, throw it to Gabe Davis, you know, for for maybe 200, 300 yards, or him rushing for 100 yards nearly. And that game was just simply ugly from the beginning to end. Yeah, as a guy who had a little bit of money on this game here because thinking maybe the Bills are going to have a little bit of offense here and uh, I needed some overs on some players and it just didn't happen. It was just ugly all game long. And like you said, uh, to be able for Tyrod to call an audible uh, so close to the goal line there with no timeouts is just boneheaded. Like the, the coach has got to let him know we can't audible to a run here. We have yeah. to pass right here. We have time to do at least two more plays. If we don't get it the first time, uh, it's just I don't know. The decisions there was you know baffling. And then the no call at the end of the game, uh, the Giants, uh, the guy had a hold of him for Buffalo, and it, they flag should have been called there, but it wasn't, and Buffalo escaped. Uh, very questionable call to end the game there, but uh, yeah, that was that was a pretty bad, pretty rough Sunday night game there. That was terrible. I mean, the, like you said, at the the end of the play, it seemed like the refs just wanted to go home because <laughs> it was an obvious pass interference. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they they definitely missed that call for sure. So uh, I'll go ahead and I'll uh, I'll do my worst of the week here. It is. <laughs> My Kentucky football Wildcats falling at home to the Missouri Tigers, 38 to 21, one week after getting destroyed by the number one Georgia Bulldogs, 51 to 13. They turned one loss into two losses. Started out the game last week really good. Got up 14 to nothing. Had Missouri stopped after three and out. Missouri was punting from the 39 yard line, and 
boy, that fake punt came out and they punched Kentucky in the mouth and touchdown and no answer after that. Missouri goes on to outscore seven for the rest of the game and just a horrible question mark. I mean, questionable calls all over the field, like the defensive penalties, unsportsmanlike conducts, the the undiscipline that they had on there, guys just doing stupid plays after it's over with, like going and hitting the quarterback after, you know, and then they call foul, like two fouls on one guy for hitting the quarterback twice. Like you already hit him once, you're getting a penalty. You're going to hit him again, get another penalty. What are you thinking? This team has got to buy a week this week. Hopefully they can right the ship. It's not going to get any easier as they go. Uh, Tennessee will come into town next week for them. But that is my worst of the week by far. You turn one loss into two losses. Not good. Missouri is a good team, but they're not good enough to beat you by 17 at your place. That's my worst. Yeah, I can see how that can be worse because um, I remember we was talking about the uh, Kentucky versus Georgia game before it was – uh, before they was about to play, and uh, I had I had high hopes, and I, I still have high hopes on the season overall. I still think it could still be a, a successful season for, for Kentucky, but you have to. It's easy to blame the coach when things go bad, but sometimes players players have to, you know, take accountability. Accountability, like you said, you hit the quarterback once. Why would you hit him again? Like, why would you do that? You know, that, that's something that – and you – before the NIL, you can say uh, these are amateur players. But now with NIL, these are kind of semi-pro players now. Like, these guys are getting paid very good money to play um, college football. And uh, you, you can't make mistakes like that. At the same time, though, the coach do need to take some blame because um, – the boys have to be riled up after losing to Georgia. I don't think anybody would um, is mad that Kentucky lost to Georgia. You know, Georgia is just one of those teams that's, you know, they're, they're, this is their era right now where they are dominating college football. Um, so, you know, that loss, you can kind of, you know, put the watch the film and just never watch again. But losing to Missouri was probably one of the more disappointing losses last week because it, it caught me off guard. I, I definitely didn't think Missouri um, would go out there and play like that against Kentucky. I, I figured that the run game would um, keep Missouri off the field, but um, a lot of the coaches and a lot of the players need to do some soul searching and figure out if they want to, you know, Go to a good bowl game or, you know, play at the, uh, you know, Alamo Bowl or something. Like, you, you, you want to play a good bowl game towards the end of the year. You don't want to, you know, be disappointed and wondering how do we get to get in the situation when before Georgia, you know, we had everything going right for us. Yeah, the uh, Ray Davis had 128 rushing yards, but that was all mostly in the first half, and they pretty much abandoned that in the second half. And it's like you can't, you can't, you know, try to go without what brought you to the dance. I mean, that is your best player on the team right now. Your wide receivers are dropping passes. Keep 
feeding him the ball. Even if you're down, keep doing with what got you there. Don't abandon it. And that's pretty much what they did in that second half. And earlier in the week, Stoops made some comments uh, about Georgia from the week before. A caller called into his radio show and said that, uh, you know, are we ever going to get on this level? And he pretty much said, and uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, uh, that uh, Georgia pays their players. And uh, if you want to get on the level of Georgia, he said, pony up. <laughs> and then so after losing to Missouri, it's kind of like, well, that quote's going to kind of haunt you now because do we need to pony up to beat Missouri too? I mean, do we, I mean, I understand, you know, you may need to pony up to pay, to beat Georgia, but you go out and you get your tail kicked by Missouri, do, do we need to pony up more for that? Uh, I mean, come on now. He, he's got to step back here too this off this off week, and they just got to get things right. They got to get back on track. Forget about everything that happened the first weeks before the last couple of weeks before that bye week, and get back to what got you to five and zero oh and rolling. Uh, so I have another little uh, worst of the week, maybe that you know, uh, since we we talk a lot about Dion and Coach Prime on here because he's oh. he was fun, fun. So I, I watched uh, the week before last week. Uh, it was uh, uh, Colorado and Stanford uh, playing the nightcap on a Friday night. Coach Prime and them up 29 to nothing at halftime. And then the second half happens, and I'm sitting there watching, and, and I'm like, you know, I'm getting ready to go to bed, you know, because it, it's late. Yeah. It's 29 to 6. Okay, that's cool. That's cute. Stanford got on the board. <laughs> it's 29 to 14. Oh, huh. well, <laughs> it's 29 to 21. That's so why I can't go to bed now. This is getting a little nerve wracking. Then all of a sudden, here we are. Overtime. Stanford defeats Colorado in overtime. D- Gene, did you catch any of that right there? Because that was an epic meltdown from Colorado at home. Yeah, I was one of the people that saw it was 29 to 0. I was, I was like, okay, I have work. In the morning, I'm going to bed, and um, you know, I, I I wake up, or actually I get off work, um, and and I I check my phone and I'm looking and I'm I'm like, wait a minute, Colorado lost that game? Like it was, it was very. I went back to watch the second half. You can notice that Dion got out coached. Um, you can you can notice that Dion is a first year first year coach at this level, because uh, I mean, you know HBCU there is very talented players, but when you're when you're playing the big dogs, the Power Five schools, there's guys that you'll never hear ever, and they will make like they will have a career night against you if you don't make the right adjustments. And that's that's simply what Stanford did. They made adjustments at half. They knew what they needed to do. They knew um, who they needed to target, and they simply just punched Colorado right in the mouth when Colorado got all fat and sassy and wanted to uh, basically just you know go home with an easy win. It was it was far from that. Uh, very disappointing for Colorado to lose that game because. If we're being honest, I don't see many more wins on their schedule. They have to see, uh, I think, UCLA. Uh, 
I, I forget exactly who all they play on their schedule, but I know they see UCLA, and that's that's not gonna. I'll be honest, we can chalk that up right now. That's probably not gonna be a win. UCLA have a great defense. Yeah, they got UCLA, Oregon State, Utah, Washington State, Arizona left on the schedule. It's not a not a easy road for Colorado coming up. Uh, in that second half. The wide receiver, I, I can't pronounce his name, for Stanford, uh, number 13, they just kept running slants to him, and he ended up with 294 yards. Travis Hunter was on him. Travis Hunter had 140 yards receiving on the other end. I think Dion was kind of doing a disservice by letting him play both sides of the ball. I understand that he wants to play both sides of the ball, but you have to you have to pick and choose in this level right here because – by the end of that game, he was worn down and was getting beat on plays that you know that he wouldn't have got beat on. And, you know, his first game back after injury, you, you got to pick and choose which way you want him to play from here on out, I believe. Uh, nice story for a little while, but uh, just I would just let him play one side or the other. Yeah, I think he had 140 snaps. Like, that's not – it almost reminds me of Otani – where when it when he is playing on on both sides of the ball, it's electric. You know, you, it's probably one of the most must watch things in college football because it's like, how is a guy able to go for a hundred yards receiving, and then on the other side get interceptions, pass breakups, and all that? But um, you you're gonna run the kid into the ground eventually. Uh, definitely with a you know college football season where he. Like I said, he played at HBCUs. You know, they don't have as big of guys that um, a team like Stanford would have that, uh, you know, you're going to have to hit every single time or get hit by. And so uh, I think it was – Dion did do a disservice to uh, Travis by leaving him out there late in the game. I think if you're going to leave him out there for defense, if you know you need him as a cornerback in, on, on defense – you might need to cut his snaps in half in the second half on offense because, I mean, simply the Colorado defense is bad. They cannot tackle. Um, me, you can go out there and be lead tackle, tacklers for Colorado. I mean, that, those guys cannot wrap up for anything. And, uh, you know, I think next year, once they can get more players from the transfer portal and, you know, bring in some freshman recruits, they might can make a little bit more noise, but they are far from what we thought they were uh, next 3-0. Yeah, uh, they, and then they, they their kicker, speaking of transfer portal, I know he's going to be getting a kicker in the portal because uh, his kicker had like a 46-yard field goal and it came up short. <laughs> it's like, yeah, a college kicker should definitely bang that through. If not, you know, they're going to miss wide left or wide right, but not short from that distance, so. He's definitely going to be hitting the portal uh, for a lot of players, and he'll get he'll get his players, and and he'll eventually get that thing going. But just uh just kind of an embarrassing way to go down last week, and uh, maybe the coach prime experiments, you know, where he's on TV all the time, is probably gone to the wayside for the season. Definitely. So uh, we'll switch now back to uh, we talked about the Cowboys earlier getting a much needed win after. Uh, the disappointing loss uh, by Cincinnati Bengals. So they come out and they get a big win 
two wins in a row for them, 17 to 13 over the Seahawks in a defensive dominating game. Uh, Jamar Chase had 80 yards, uh, no touchdowns. Tyler Boyd had one touchdown. Burrow three for two, and that's all they needed. That defense took over after that against a kind of a high-powered uh, Seattle offense. Uh, just shut them down all the way around. Uh, good game for the Bengals to get back in. They had four sacks in the game, and uh, they looked a whole lot better. Now going into a bye, hopefully get everything Right, getting Burrow's calf healthy, ready to go for the rest of the season, and uh, they've got a tough matchup when they come back against those San Francisco 49ers, who are beatable now. I thought before they were unbeatable, but they actually are beatable. Uh, Gene, did you check out any of that game Sunday? Yeah, I did. Um, I'm convinced that Joe Burrow simply does not care about the first two or three games of the season. Uh, because <laughs> when it gets to about week five, week six, week seven, we see the true Joe Burrow. He gets back into it. He, um, him and Chase, it seemed like they, um, they're, they're back uh, thinking alike. They're, they're getting all their routes in order and, and making sure uh, Chase is being fed. Um, and I think the defense, they, they must have listened to the podcast because we called them out, I think, one time uh, on, you know, not being the Bengals defense that we're used to seeing, uh, they, they woke up that Seattle game. And like you said, Seattle got some threats. They don't, you know, they don't just have some schmucks out there on offense. Uh, DK Metcalf can can burn you on every play. Tyler Lockett is a great route runner. Um, and Geno Smith, I mean, he can sometimes beat you with, uh, with his legs. So for them to go out there and, and to basically shut them down for the whole game was um, – was very uh, was something that you needed to see from that defense, definitely. But um, I, I think as far as the Joe Burrow uh, offense and, and and Jamar Chase and all of them, I think they would, you know, get it all back together after this uh, bye week, get healthy. Um, I think it's actually a probably the perfect time for the bye week. Uh, so you can you know you can make sure Joe Burrow calf and everything is is reco- recovering well. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, whenever they had that bye week in week seven, I was like, oh, man, I was kind of hoping it'd be like week 10 or something. But with the Burrow calf injuries, I, I, I'm, I'm with you here. I, I think it is the perfect time for this bye week, and hopefully he'll get healthy and get back on track. And like you said, Joe Burrow does not care about the first couple of games of the year. It, it may hurt in the standings at the end of the year, but, you know, I, I believe we're getting back on the right track here. And uh, – Hopefully the second half of the season goes pretty good. The uh, NFL this last past week, uh, if you did any betting on the NFL, I hope you took the under in a lot of games because if you did not, you lost out on quite a bit like I did because <laughs> it was a lot of defensive battles this past week, man. Uh, a lot of, you know, 19-13, 17-13, 20-17 games and like a lot of unders hit here. Unless you bet on the Dolphins or the Jaguars game, you pretty much uh, did not do a whole lot as uh, far as uh, the overs and offense this week. It was a defensive week for sure for the NFL. Yeah, I was on the uh, Atlanta Falcons uh, son- last Sunday. And, uh, man, was that uh, – Desmond Ritter 
like literally want, made me want to pull all my hair out of my head because <laughs> it was so many times that the Falcons were in a position to win the game or just have the lead. And uh, what does that Desmond Ritter do? Throws a pick. He threw three interceptions. Yep. And it, it wasn't like okay, you know, like, you know, mistake. It was bonehead interceptions. It's like, man, you're staring at your first read. It's not that, that person's not open. Why would you throw the ball? Um, and I simply bet on them because it was a trend that uh, Desmond Ritter has never lost a home game. Yep. But uh, way to way to kill that trend, Desmond. That was that one hurt. <laughs> that one hurt for sure. Yeah, we won't have to hear that stat anymore. You know, he never lost at Cincinnati, and he's never lost a home game at Atlanta, and that just went completely by the wayside. And he just said, you know what, I'm going to get rid of this stat right now. I'm going to throw this pick. I'm going to throw that pick. I'm going to throw that pick. And, uh, I mean, did they forget that they had B. John Robinson on the team? Because, I mean. That's the thing. You only give B. John 13 carries? What are we doing? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you got it. I mean, the guy is awesome, and you're not giving him very many touches at all. I just – I don't get it at all. I've I seen a little bit of it, and, uh, yeah, it's just – if it's not a good week, like I said, if anybody took the overs this week. But uh, the uh, another surprising game Sunday, it was the Jets defeating the Eagles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I thought Philly was another team that was like, man, they're, they'll win that game easily. I mean, Zach Wilson's quarterback, and they've looked a lot better the past few weeks since that Kansas City game. But I was like, Philly's a different animal. Uh, they will go in there and they'll beat them. And and no, that's not that's not what happened. The Jets, then the defense shut down the Philadelphia high flying offense. Yeah, that was that was probably one of the most surprising things uh, last Sunday. Um, I remember we was talking about the uh, Jets after that and after that uh, Chiefs game, and uh, I said um, it kind of seemed like towards the end of the game that they was, you know, trying to cheer up uh, uh, Zach Wilson on you know, kind of blowing the game late. But uh, it, it was good to see that that the team is you know responding to Zach Wilson after being quarterback because they they could have simply after Rodgers. Injury, they could have simply just packed up the season. Like, hey, you know, yeah, we're not making it far with Zach Wilson. Let's just try to, you know, stay healthy and and try to be here next year for Rodgers. But uh, the boys uh, went out there and they uh, they punched Philly in the mouth, and uh, it was kind of. Uh, I was watching the game with a smile on my face because, uh, you know, I, I know my boys had got embarrassed by the 49ers, so I needed to see uh, some other teams, some other fans uh, get their heart pulled out of their chest and uh, be sad on Sunday. Especially when it's your rival, the the Eagles. That's the ones getting beat there. And earlier in the year where Dallas had beat down New York, and then for them to go out and beat Phil for your team there. Uh, yeah. so my, yeah, so my, uh, boneheaded, what are you doing play of the week, uh, happened during the Dallas game. And it was actually, I don't know if you caught this or not, but I caught it and it was just, <laughs> what are you doing, man? So, uh, uh, the chargers are substituting in and out defensive players, you know, and then the referee, he stands over the ball until 
uh, <laughs> they're substituted in, and, you know, then it gets out of the way and the play starts. At one point in time, he's standing over the ball, and he kind of, like, trips, and he falls backwards. And when he does, Dak snaps the ball, and, like, the linemen and stuff start hitting the referee, and he tumbles backwards. <laughs> and then, and then they blow the play dead. <laughs> I did see this. I mean, imagine being that rough and your family watching the game. Like, oh man, like God, like, like this is probably one of the most embarrassing referee moments I've ever I've ever watched live, at least. Oh man, uh, yeah, he could have easily been seriously hurt. Those three hundred pounders, you know, <laughs> doing their kick steps and all that. He, he could have been trampled out there. They definitely could have. It was a close call for him. And then, like, after they finally blew it dead, after he, they got him up and found out he was all right, he went back up there to stand over the ball again for them to do the substitutions. And as soon as he walked backwards, he ran like 100 mile an hour backwards <laughs> to get completely out of the way. It was just, what are you doing, man? Like, you're tripping out here for real. And then getting trampled over. It was just one of those, like, boneheaded plays. It was just, oh, it was great. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, when I seen that live, I was like, there's no way. I thought, I'm surprised that they blew the whistle because I thought it was, the play was going to go through. I was like, there's no way this guy's really on the ground in the middle of an NFL play. Yeah, like, man. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, uh, in the NFL this week coming up, uh, my Cincinnati Bengals, your Dallas Cowboys, they're both off this week. They both got the bye. So this week it looks like a red zone week for us, uh, just flipping around, watching all different kinds of games. Uh, the game I'm look, most looking forward to and I'm going to keep my eye on is that Miami-Philly game this Sunday night. That one, I'm pretty sure the under won't hit in that one. I'm pretty sure the over is going to hit in that one, hopefully. Definitely. And and then I'm also looking forward to the Lions and the Ravens for divisional purposes there. Uh, what do you think about those games, Gene? Well, I'll definitely be having my uh, Tua jersey on. Uh, I also have Tua on my fantasy football team, so I'm definitely rooting for the Dolphins to, you know, why not win 48-0, to zero, you know? Why not? Why yeah. not do things like that? But, um. Yeah, like I said, it's going to be the red zone for me. I don't really have any games that I'm just, like, I'm just dying to watch. Um, but I, I'm I'm kind of happy to have a bye week this early for Dallas because we kind of needed to reset. I think that 49ers game, you know, is still in the back of our mind. And uh, I, I kind of would prefer to ha- have some more games, ha- win some more games for about a week to kind of get our mojo back going, but, you know, and we don't really have any injuries that could come back after the bye week, so it's really not something that that will really benefit us at this point of, of the season, but uh, it's still going to be a fun NFL week. NFL, you know, if you told me that the 49ers would lose to basically the backup Browns, um, you know, I, I would think you're crazy, but uh, that's that's like you said, any given Sunday, that's the NFL for you. And uh, I'm I'm excited to watch all the games on Red Zone. Yeah, that, that one o'clock slate. I mean, it's kind of yeah, 
But once you get into those four o'clock games and the nightcap, it it looks like it's going to be a good week for the NFL to just for your team to be off and just sit and just watch football all day with no worries, pretty much because you know you don't have to worry about your team and the, you know having a dog in the fight. This is uh, probably one of the best Sunday night football games we've had all year, too. Oh, absolutely. It's got to be better than last week's Sunday night football game. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and mark it down right now. This game will be better than last <laughs> week's game. It was AFC East versus NFC East last week, same this week, and this one will be better. <laughs> Going yeah. out on a limb. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, this Saturday here today, uh, we haven't talked since the uh, Red River rivalry game. Uh, Oklahoma defeated Texas. Sorry, I'm bringing it up. Uh, Texas is going to Houston today to face the Houston Cougars. Um, now, this is kind of a funny moment here for me, right? So, you know, doing a little bit of betting. Look on the screen here, and Texas is playing Houston in the ALCS. I look up on my screen, and it says Texas. Minus 23 and a half. And I go, man, I think the Astros can cover that. And then I realized that it was college football and it was Houston Cougars and Texas Longhorns. Yeah. So uh, what do you think about that game, Gene? Uh, I think Texas, um, that's what I don't like bad Texas when they have big lines like that. Yeah. Um, because there's been so many times that. Games like this where you're like, oh, yeah, definitely te- Texas should put a whooping on Houston. They'll make it 31 to 28, and you're like, what is going on? Yeah. But um, <laughs> I, I, I think the boys should bounce back. I, I, that Oklahoma game, you know, it's it's a, it's the Red River rivalry. So, you know, you can't really be surprised if your team lose in that game. Um, all you got to hope is that we see Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship, which I, I think that will be the outcome. I think Tex, Texas can get that game. But um, against Houston today, I, I expect uh, Quinn Ewers to, uh, you know, show that he is still the guy for us and can get the job done and get our running game going. Um, Oklahoma defense actually surprised me. They was uh, – they were shutting down our run game and and forcing Quinn Ewers to uh, you know convert third and longs and it, it just wasn't working out for us. So you know hopefully this week uh, we don't have any hiccups like that and uh, keep our uh, our number eight ranking. Yeah, after that week and then uh, I'm pretty sure they had a bye week last week, right, Texas? Yeah. So like they've had like two weeks to stew over this. Uh, they're probably going to come out, out all pissed off and everything and ready to just punch Houston in the mouth. And it, it might get ugly for Houston. They may cover that spread after being off so long, probably wanting to get out and just beat somebody else other than yourself for the past two weeks, especially coming off of that loss. Uh, I think Texas, they're still in a good spot to get into the playoffs. Like you said, they, they'll have another shot more than likely at Oklahoma in that Big 12 championship, and that one will be – a game to watch right there for sure. Uh, yeah, Dylan Gabriel is a guy. I got to give him his respect. He, he, he's a guy to be respected. Yeah, I, uh, 
he looked awesome in that game right there. I, to be honest, I really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to Oklahoma football before that, but I watched that whole game from start to finish, and he was a dude for sure right there. Uh, the, the big game starting off this Saturday is going to be Penn State, Ohio State. Ohio State's a four-point favorite. Uh, Ohio State has beaten Penn State, I forget how many years in a row now. Penn State, I feel like they've got a shot here in this game. I don't think Ohio State's offense is that good. I'm not sure about McCord. I know they got Marvin Harrison Jr., which that'll help any quarterback out. But just seeing them play Notre Dame real close, had to take it to the end, and I don't think Notre Dame's all that good, but they did just crush USC. Uh, I, I feel like Penn State can go into the horseshoe here and get the upset. Yeah, um, Ohio State has had a very shaky year. This is probably – it's funny because this is probably one of their least talented teams, but they still are full of four or five-star guys. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, simply – I my, my way of looking at this game is I think this is Penn State's toughest game of the year. And how will they respond? They have a great defense, so I I, I do think it's a low scoring game. But Penn State, I can see them also shooting themselves in the foot, turning the ball over. Um, yeah, you know, and like you said, the spread was four. Is it four and a half or four? It's it's down to four right now. Yeah, it down was four. four. Yeah, I was about to say it was five. I think on Friday, so the line's going down and. I could see how the public is uh, siding with Penn State, but I just think this is Penn State's toughest game uh, to date for the season, and uh, it's kind of just a question mark to see how they respond. Me, personally, I think Notre Dame is still probably, if you you ask me, Notre Dame is still probably the toughest matchup Ohio State has faced, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to Penn State uh, tried to punch these boys in the mouth thoroughly and try to get an early lead. But at the same time, I, you know, Ohio State, Ryan Day, even though Ryan Day is, can at times be, a, you know, a, a bonehead coach and make bonehead decisions, I, I still think, um, you know, going going to a, to the Buckeye Stadium, it, it's going to be tough to win that. Uh, definitely when the offense – neither offense – is, is, you know, doing anything special this year. Yeah, it, it'll be a tough matchup for sure in in Columbus. Uh, you know, like you said, Ryan Day, boneheaded plays sometimes and, uh, you know, calling out Lou Holtz and stuff. <laughs> you know, he's kind of questionable for sure. Another game, another big game looking forward to today. It's uh, Tennessee facing Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Tennessee – Last year, defeated Alabama in Tennessee. Alabama's a nine-point favorite in this one. I don't think Alabama will cover. I think that they will win, but I don't think that they will cover this game right here. I think Tennessee will keep within that. And it'll be a close game. Tennessee doesn't have the high-powered offense that they did last year. Alabama's not the same Alabama as years before. But they're still Alabama. They're still at home. I think that they'll win that one. But they won't cover I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think they win by a touchdown um, at most. 
Uh, I just don't trust Milton on the road. Uh, you know, like I said, Tennessee offense is not as high-powered as last year. And uh, I'm sure Alabama have, have a few players from that team last year that um, have a bad taste in their mouth losing to Tennessee. And I'm sure Nick Saban has been preaching all week about how they had lost to him. And so I, I definitely think Alabama wins. I don't think Alabama really loses many or, or any uh, more games in Tuscaloosa. So I, I'm, I'm siding with Alabama as well in this one. Um, Milrose, you know, he's still very questionable as would I want him to be the guy uh, to be my quarterback. But uh, you gotta kind of just let the guy play and let him, uh, you know, you know, over time keep learning the game and learn what's gonna help him win or help him, you know, simply just help his teammates to win. And uh, uh, I wouldn't trust Tennessee on the road. Definitely not in Tuscaloosa, especially after last year's game. Speaking of Joe Milton, his former team, Michigan, has been in the news the last couple of games, last couple of days, with the sign stealing controversy. Uh, apparently, there was an assistant that's stealing signs from uh, future opponents and using them during games. Man, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I heard about what? What is like as far as the sign stealing? I, I get, you know, you don't want to send like you know, your assistant assistant head coach to the game and 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 watch the signs. But this hasn't that kind of been a thing since the beginning of time? Like you send, you know, uh, uh, you know somebody's dad went to the game and, and say hey, they do this with, during this call like that. I, I don't know how extreme Michigan has done it. I haven't really uh I heard about it yesterday, so I haven't really did much research on how crucial or how much it, you know, affected the games that they have played. But, um, you know, when I first heard, I was like, you know, sign stealing, you know, it's, it's kind of what teams do, you know, yeah. even from peewee football sometimes. Like, you know, somebody sends a little scout over and they watch and see how these guys – uh, call their plays. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not like uh, you know they're banging a trash can or something out there to let them know what's coming up on the next play. Like uh, you know, banging a trash can. Here comes the blitz. Like uh, you know, Houston did back in 2017. I don't really know a whole lot about it either. I just seen it was on there, and you know, like you said, it's been going on from the beginning of time, but it's been way blown up right here. Like uh, you know, it's you know something really illegal going on, but. Uh, you know, Michigan, I guess, just got caught. Uh, I believe one of their future opponents probably turned them in, and it wouldn't be surprising if it was those Buckeyes <laughs> that face them at the end of the season. I don't know. Maybe a little rivalry going on there early before the game starts. I don't know, but uh, we'll see. It's interesting to see how that's going to turn out. It wouldn't surprise me, Ryan Day, crying about sign stealing from Michigan. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Anytime you're calling out Lou Holtz, you'll do anything, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, so and then, the, then the big matchup tonight, uh, that's the 14th-ranked Utah facing the 18th-ranked USC after USC uh, getting beat down 
Caleb Williams may have lost the Heisman Trophy last week after that performance at Notre Dame. Uh, what do you think about his uh, Heisman odds now? I think Penix has pretty much taken over as a unanimous favorite to win that with Drake May next, and then Caleb Williams is down somewhere else. Yeah, I think Caleb Williams has uh, just been hurting his stock overall completely because he also is talking about before you draft me, I, I need uh, partial ownership of the team. Like, come on, man. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? You're a rookie in the NFL. Nobody knows you're going to be good at all. Why would they give you even 1% of the team? Like, come on, what are you talking about? But, yeah, like you said, his Heisman hopes is probably down the drain. Um, He would have to throw, like, a 10-touchdown game or something for them to probably give him a shot again. But, yeah, I, I must say – Utah have a great defense, but if Cameron Rising's not playing, they're not winning this game. I mean, it's yeah. simple as that. And I don't know the situation with Cameron Rising. Is he just going to sit out and try to see if he can be back next year? Yeah, I don't know what's yeah. going on. But, um, yeah, you don't know. It's, uh, you know, that Utah team would be, you know, really good with Cameron Rising, but – he hasn't played this year, and I mean they've been pretty good without him. Imagine if they had him this whole time, you know. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a weird situation. I I followed it for for the beginning of the season because um, you know I, you know I love betting Utah because I know they have a great defense, and then Cam Rising is a great quarterback, so that's somebody I would you know have faith in put my money in. But um, they have a I forget his first name, but I think his last name is Johnson, the quarterback that they have, that, that they're throwing out there now. I mean, you know, the guy, you know, he showed flashes flashes of why he got a Division One offer and play at, at that level of college football, but at the same time, he's not Cameron Rising. <laughs> like, he is far from that. Yeah. So, I don't know if they're maybe trying to – Hold just hold Cameron Rising for if they can make a push late and for a uh, for a bowl game. But even then, that wouldn't make sense. I guess they're just going to try to hold him off for the rest of the year and, and try to uh, have him next year. It would uh, make sense for him too because this is a pretty packed uh, uh, QB draft. Um, he would probably be like the seventh yeah. round pick in this year's draft coming up. Right. So why not stay another year? Get some more of that NIL money. I'm sure Utah's treating them really nice, and uh, mm-hmm. just try to try to go for it uh, next year. Yeah, yeah, like you said, you know, there's there's a lot of quarterbacks in this class here. It'd be a smart thing for him just to come back one more season, so it might be all right for him to set out this year. Uh, but there's a good slate of games on today. There's a good slate of games on for the NFL tomorrow, and then we've got baseball too. Hopefully, next time we come up on this podcast next week. We're talking about them Rangers in the World Series. Yeah, I mean, I must say, um, I'm putting. I, I must say, I'm putting on a bit of a face because uh, if if we had to talk right after that game, man, I was in the, uh, I was in the, I was down, man. That that one hurt. That one hurt. Altuve hitting that home run, man, that was pain. That was like. Seeing your your prom date go with somebody else, <laughs> like that was probably the worst case scenario that happened. Um, and, and you know, 
out of all people, Altuve too is has pain. But uh, yeah. I, I still got faith in the boys. I think Evaldi's pitching next game, so if anybody can get it done, Evaldi, Evaldi got us. Evaldi is nasty. I mean, some of them pitches he threw the other day, it's like he's got all kinds of movement. It's like, I don't know how you even touch that right there, you know. I mean, that is just nasty right there. But, uh, you know, hopefully they can get it done. Uh, Altuve, he's a, you know, He's a clutch player, and he come up in a clutch situation. He, he, you know, he did it. But hopefully, the Rangers they get these next two. They'll head on to the World Series. Next time we talk on here, we'll be doing some World Series talk with them Texas Rangers. Yes, sir. And you know, uh, next time we talk on here, we'll have our teams back after their bye weeks and uh, hook them for this week. Yeah, like I said, I hope uh, Quinn Ewers show up today and. Uh... Let people know that we still do, we still we still got it. You know, we we're number eight in the country, so uh, you know there's still hope to try to make the playoffs. I think I think this year they they are trying to get a Big Twelve team into the playoffs uh, because we have we have been non-existent <laughs> for being in the college playoffs since it started. But uh, you know, I think the boys still got a shot. Yep. Well. Hopefully they'll go out and they'll get it done. And next week when we come in here, we'll talk and we'll have like our worst to be other teams like it kind of was this week, you know, well, besides mine. But you know what I mean. But uh, we'll see you in the next one, man. Good uh, good talk. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, like, like you said, um, you know, enjoy this Sunday. Watch NFL Red Zone and uh, just kick our feet up, uh, you know, stress-free. Stress-free. Maybe not so much yelling from the couch, but we'll be on the couch watching it. And, yeah, yes, sir. It'll be, it'll be what it is. All right, man. But we'll see you. All right.